0: Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the back country to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you've faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Oh my gosh, here we go with another episode, episode 40 of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. And as always, I am incredibly grateful for the honor of being able to to come to you where you are, in your car, at work, in the gym, with your family, making dinner, whatever you're doing. I'm just so excited to be able to speak to you on a weekly basis and to share these incredible messages. I, of course, re-listened to this show that I recorded with this guest um, last night. And there are just so many good pieces of wisdom and nuggets and encouragement and advice and reassurance to us on this journey that we're living that's fast paced, that's high stress, that's oftentimes questioned that we are enough and that we're doing the right things and that we can make this happen. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. And there's a lot of persistence pieces to take out of this episode and a lot of encouragement. And we are diving in with guest Tana Grenda. She's up in King Salmon, Alaska. And it was truly my pleasure to speak with her. I have done quite a few shows, interviewed lots of guests and had you know the ability to meet a lot of people I really look up to, and she has quickly become just such an inspiration in my life. And I'm excited to get to know her more, to maybe meet her family down the road, and uh, potentially show up on her doorstep at some point and see what they've got going on up there. But anyways, without further ado, I want to introduce Tana Grenda. She is on Instagram at Tana Sue Fit. That's T A N A S U E underscore Fit. Um, You can also look up what they're doing as far as their hunting videos on Stuck in the Rut. Just a beautiful family. Her story is so inspiring to me. And I'm going to give you a little heads up towards the end of this. We talk about her struggle to get pregnant and how her and her husband have overcome this to see the blessings. So if that's something that you struggle with as well, which I know many of you have, then you'll want to stay around to hear her insight into that. I have a guest on the show today who I am totally geeked out on talking to. We have a lot in common, but she just recently did something that scares the hell out of me, and I can't wait to talk to her about it. I was actually introduced to her by an old client and friend of ours, and he was like, you have to follow this chick. She's awesome. She's a total badass. So I'm excited to introduce on the show today, Tana Grenda. She's up in Alaska, and she is rocking it up there. How are you doing, Tana?
1: Oh, I'm doing great. A little bit of a hangover from Halloween sugar, but other than that, we're hanging in there. <laughs>
0: that's that's no joke. That's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so did you guys go trick-or-treating up there?
1: Yeah, we did, and it was our first year with kids, so we didn't really know what we were doing. We've never done it out in the bush before where you have to drive around to different houses, but it turned out good. We were up way too late, but the kids loved it, so... That's all that matters.
0: So fun. That's awesome. Well, before we kind of jump into the kids and why it's your first year and all this kind of stuff, give me a little rundown on you and what your lifestyle is and what you're doing and and all the things. Oh,
1: boy. Um, So my husband and I moved to Alaska a few years ago. We had been working up here on and off seasonally and then moving back to Idaho. That's where we grew up was in northern Idaho. I grew up in a little town called Bonners Ferry. And he grew up in Post Falls, so we both found ourselves in Alaska before we even met each other, and when I moved back from Alaska after college, I just missed it. Like, I just felt like it was my state, it's where I needed to be, I felt drawn to the wilderness and hunting up there and flying, and then I met my husband in Idaho, who was also a pilot up here during the summers, and so we got married, and we're like, hey, let's Let's move to Alaska. That's where we want to be. So we ended up moving to a small little community called King Salmon. it's about 300 miles um, southwest of Anchorage off the road system. And we had all these goals. You know, we I was just talking to him about this this week. We started writing a five-year plan. So when we got married, we sat down, wrote a five-year plan of all the things we wanted to do and accomplish in the next five years. And then we put it away and I brought it out this week because our fifth is coming up and we accomplished pretty much everything on that list. And so a lot of that included, you know, moving to the bush, buying an airplane, um, shooting a brown bear with my bow was one of them, you know, hunting caribou and sheep and moose and having a family and living a subsistence lifestyle. All these things were our goals. And so that's kind of what we do now. We live in the middle of nowhere Our airplane is basically our car that we can fly around and shed hunt and hunt and fish and go on any adventure we really want to because it's a two-place small airplane. We can get a lot of short places, and my husband's an incredibly skilled pilot, so it's just a fun life. We get to do a lot of cool things, and, yeah, now we have kids involved, so it's a lot of fun to include them in that, too.
0: It sounds like an absolutely almost like fairy tale lifestyle that you guys are living up there.
1: It is. Sometimes I slap myself and think, is this a dream or am I really living this? I feel super blessed and fortunate to be able to live this dream because it's truly everything I've wanted to do. Of course, there are tons of challenges that come with it, so my life isn't easy, and we've worked really hard to get here. But it is truly incredible, and I love to share our experiences because I think that everybody needs to know – um, You know, really, what's out there, and that they can follow their dreams and do exactly what they dream and plan to do.
0: Definitely, there's a lot of power in that. And you know, one of the things that yeah. is, as you were talking about that story, and you said, you know, when you guys got married, you sat down and you wrote out this five year plan, which is awesome. I'm a planner. I like to just, you know, write down and envision. But I'm curious to know, you know, you said you you got it back out this week, so. How, what did you do exactly? Was it by chance? I can't imagine it is, but how did you end up getting all of those things accomplished on that five-year plan? What was your guys's method to getting that done?
1: I think just writing things down, and I heard this in one of your podcasts too, writing things down is super empowering. And I, I don't even remember if I looked at this list even once. I may have glanced at it like year two or year three and said, yeah, we're doing pretty good. But just the power of writing things down. I think subconsciously it was in the back of our minds of everything that we needed to do to hit our goals. And my husband's a doer. I'm a doer. We're very much like, if we talk and we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. So I think just writing it down subconsciously, we did it. And I, I don't know if that's just in my subconscious or if that was just something that was always in the back of my mind. Like I'm going to do this. Um, Or if it was just luck, I don't know. But I think the power of writing plans down and goals down is super huge. We do that at the beginning of every year as well. We write down every hunt that we want to go on and every adventure we want to do. And usually we get it done just by writing it down.
0: That's amazing. And there is, it's, it's, you don't just fall on the things that you want to do. You have to take action and there has to be, you know, the appropriate steps in order to be able to move you to that place. So, you know, hearing you say, you know, you, you may have glanced at it here or there or once or twice, kind of just like solidifies to me that these are such things in your mind that you're like, we want to accomplish this. It's not something that's just like out of sight, out of mind. These are so powerful and such a driving force for us that we will accomplish this. We don't have to look back at this five-year plan because it's it's so ingrained in who we are. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Very cool. So what's the next step from here? Now that you've accomplished the five-year goals, what's next?
1: We sat down and we wrote another five-year plan. (laughs) And we actually split it up into three sections. We do uh, what we want to do, what we want to have, and who we want to be. So it's three different lists. And I just like that because it's always pushing us to be better people. It's pushing us to challenge ourselves Um, and not just be comfortable with where we're at, because I'm not good at just sitting still. (laughs) I want to always go try something harder and go accomplish the next thing. Um, So I think in the next five years, you know, we really love where we're at. We'll probably stay here, um, definitely probably in Alaska our whole life. As much as we love Idaho, we just feel drawn to this place. Um, And, yeah, we'll just see. I mean, I do live lifestyle where I like to be spontaneous as well, but having a plan also
0: helps with that. How do you kind of balance that out as somebody who likes to have a plan, but also likes to have that spontaneity because I'm the same way. And sometimes I feel like it can cause a little bit of like second guessing in myself. Like, am I making the right decision? Because I like to think a lot of things out, but having the freedom just to fly by the seat of your pants, if you will, is kind of fun too. Yeah, for sure. I think
1: that I I was just like you and am like you still. I always had everything written out. I had my entire day planned to the hour. Being in Alaska, you cannot, especially in the bush and flying and weather and all of the factors that go into hunts and planning, you cannot plan everything out because it never goes as planned. (laughs) So I had to really learn to pull back and make a plan but then be totally okay if it totally blew up in my face. And then I had to make a plan B. So we have, you know, plan A. And sometimes we end up getting to, like, plan Z (laughs) before it actually works out. And that's just the way it is living out here. Things don't go as planned. The weather can totally screw you. You could be out flying, ready to go. And then something happens where you have to get back home, whether it's a family thing or whether it's the weather literally pushes in and you're going to be stuck for weeks. Um, Just the plans change all the time. And then, so I just had to learn to be okay with that. Make a plan, but be okay if it doesn't go through. And then make another plan and see if that one goes through. And if that doesn't, then make a different plan. And then the other thing that taught me to just really chill out and relax, if you will, is being a foster mom. Because with these kids and with bringing in kids that you haven't raised, there are so many unknowns Like, literally, we only knew their first name when they moved in. We didn't know anything about them. And so I haven't been able to plan pretty much anything. We've had to really fly by the seat of our pants with this and just trust in God's plan that, you know, it's going to work out no matter what happens. So it's great to have a plan, but I think it's really important to step back and be okay with it if it doesn't work out and then not stress over it.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I can't wait to jump into the kiddos and all of that. But pausing just for a second to talk about You know, being somebody who wants to follow a a good flow and has a plan and lines things out, you know, coming from where you guys lived in Northern Idaho up to Alaska, where you've really had to implement that mindset shift in being flexible. What do you think are the most important things to keep in mind when you're trying to go, okay, if I set out to do this, but it doesn't happen, it'll be okay. Like, how do you mentally kind of put your okay, you know, hat on with those differences?
1: it's hard i mean i still struggle with it for example last week we had to travel for some medical appointments because we asked you fly by airplane to go to everything dental medical everything and the travel literally changed 15 times in one day and i was about to lose my mind (laughs) so i think the one thing that i do is just recognize that is this in my control or is it out of my control if it's in my control then sure, I can usually fix it. But if it's out of my control, then it is not something that I should stress about. It is not something that I need to get worked up over. So I think that's the main question and mindset shift that I've asked myself is, is this in my control? Because if it's not, then stressing over it is not going to fix it, and it's not going to, you know, get me anywhere by worrying about it.
0: Does that make sense? That's huge. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I got a call from a client of mine at the beginning of the week and she was as distraught as she could be and with good reason there's just so many things happening in her life right now that from every angle I mean every angle are just coming after her and I'm you know listening to her and I'm and I'm and I'm just trying to put my head around like oh my gosh how do I even give her words of encouragement you know, that are, that are going to be like applicable to what she's going through. And, you know, after listening to her for a while, the, the number one thing I could say to her was you have to remember that although everything is piling up on you and from every angle, you feel like you're being attacked. They're all individual. You have to take every, you know, every adverse scenario and every, you know, difficult thing as its own thing. Because I think the moment we start looking at all of these different challenges or hurdles or whatever as this one big attack, we kind of we kind of just clam up and we lose our ability to make the right choices to continue moving forward. And I think it's really important and, yeah. and you just kind of mentioned it again, you know, is it in my control or out of my control? You know, cause then I need to base my my reaction or, you know, what happens next based on that thing. So I think, you know, it's, it's really good. It's a good mindset, um, practice, I guess, to kind of just evaluate those things, dissect what's going on and figure out from there what your game plan is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as you know, as a fitness trainer and coach, you're kind of a therapist to people. You have to help people with their mindset shifts you have to push them through all those hard barriers that they're hitting when they're trying to make changes in their lives, make these habit changes. I mean, how do you even deal with that with, with pushing clients through those hard times? Um, I, I deal with that almost on the daily as well. And I mean, obviously I'm still learning, but it's pretty cool because I think we learn from each other. You know, we learn from each other, our, our struggles, and then we're able
0: to support each other through them as well. I think that's, it's it's so right. And I can't tell you how many times I've had that same experience that you just mentioned. You know, you're helping your client understand what's going on and how they can, in a healthy way, walk through that. You know, not just back up or stop or quit. You know, you've got to help them get through that adversity. And so many times as a coach, I've got off the call or, you know, finished an email with somebody and I went, that's exactly, I mean, you have to practice what you preach. You know, you have to be able to (laughs) do that. You know, you can't just, you know, there's, and and we talked a little bit about this before we started, before we jumped online, there's so many unqualified coaches out there. And it in all honesty, in all transparency, it drives me bonkers. Because the problem is, people who desperately need change in their life don't know who to trust anymore because they've signed up for so and so's program or they've done coaching with you know XYZ company, and all of a sudden. They have been led down the wrong path. They've tried things that weren't healthy for them. It was a one size fits all, which doesn't work for anybody. And now they're, yeah. they just have this bad taste in their mouth of what they can accomplish. I just feel like it pulls so much life out of these individuals and in feeling like, well, gosh, I'm the failure when when really what failed was the approach that you tried or possibly the coach that you had. And that's kind of like a little sidebar, but I think it's really important to keep in mind. And if I can ever tell somebody who's tried and failed anything, it's that you just haven't found the right thing for you yet. Yeah. One of the questions I I really wanted to talk to you about, because I feel like there's this common misconception that trainers are always like on point, that we eat perfectly, that we (laughs) don't have any hiccups, that we're always motivated, that we always get to the gym, you know, we never fall off track. So what methods do you personally implement into your life that help steer you back on course? Because I know you fail, I fail, we all fail. So how do you get yourself back on, you know, when you're tired, exhausted, when the kids are sick, when, you know, when you have those things that come up that kind of deviate the plan?
1: I always go back to my why. And really, I feel so much better when I hit my workout when I'm eating well like for example I ate I didn't eat that much candy last night but I ate a little bit and today I feel horrible so I just have to go back to my why why am I doing this I'm doing this for myself I'm doing this for my kids I want to teach them how to be healthy and take care of their bodies I am not 100% I used to be when I was single (laughs) at the time you know But now, I'll be totally honest. I haven't gone to the gym in four days because I'm exhausted. So You have to learn to listen to your body, but you also have to go back to your why and remember why you started all of this in the first place and really stay focused on your goals ahead because you're the only person in charge of your life and your happiness and with action. I mean, of course, circumstances are going to come in our way and life is going to happen, but life has everything to do with your focus. So if you're focused on the right things, even when you fall off, you have to brush that off and not beat yourself up over it and just hop back on and move forward. I think if we keep looking back at how much we screwed up, that's going to, you know, derail us moving forward. We really have to look at our why, look at where we want to go and stay focused moving forward.
0: So Tana, if I came to you and I said, I am unhappy with where I'm at, I'm You know, I'm a little bit overweight, but I just don't have healthy habits. I'm beating myself up all the time. I feel like a failure. I feel like I can't do anything right. And you wanted me to figure out my why. How would you help me do that? What would you ask of me to help develop what that true why was? Because I feel like so many people don't understand. Like they might feel like, well, I want to do it because I want to feel better for my kids. But I think you really have to like dig into that why and and broaden that. So how would you help me figure out what my why was if I didn't know? I do this with clients
1: all the time, even potential clients that just want to train with me. I get them on a phone call, and I ask them that question. And usually it's like, well, I want to lose 20 pounds and look good in a swimsuit. No, but why? And you just keep asking them why, and then they dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and then pretty soon you have a client crying on the phone to you, telling you that, you know, some really deep reason why they feel so insecure. And that's different for any, you know, everybody. It's, but there's something so deep in you that sometimes it's really hard to pull out. But whenever they come to me, like if you came to me and said that, I would say, why? Why do you want that? Well, I want to look good in a bikini because I don't feel comfortable around my husband. Why? And then you just keep asking why, 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 and then pretty soon you figure out the real reason why. Why? And at that point, they have a strong enough why it's going to pull them through. The people that can't find that why, I say, well, I want you to think about it for a few days. And if you can come up with a really, really good reason, come back to me. Because as of now, losing 20 pounds is not going to drive you to do everything that I, you know, give you to do. Um, does that make sense? It makes total <laughs> I sense. That, makes you sense.
0: that you it, it, it makes, I'm like sitting here like nodding my head like, yep, yep, yep. Exactly because even those and I and they're, they're reasons, right? They're driving factors, but even those superficial why answers, they aren't pulling out of you that experience you had as a teenager that has always left yeah. you doubting yourself. They don't go back to being attacked or having somebody do something to you that you didn't want that has made you lose your confidence, you know, and it's those yep. things are hard and people protect them. If you've been attacked, if you've been hurt, if you've you've been bullied, if you had a dad that whatever, all of a sudden, you protect that big why with regaining your confidence, because you don't want to say that out loud. You want to just give this easy to talk about answer. Well, I want to I want to look good naked, or I want to be able to wear shorts next summer, or I want to wear a tank top and not be self conscious about my arms, you know, but there's always and you don't have to do this with somebody else. But I encourage you if you're listening, and you're having a hard time staying on track, if you, you you know, you keep hitting temptations or road bumps, and then you then you fall off track, and then you're trying to pull yourself back on. Over time, you start to feel like, I won't be able to be successful. I'll always fail at this. I encourage you to stop and to take Tana's advice and to dig. Keep asking yourself why. Keep asking for more. And the moment you start to get uncomfortable and the moment you start to well up with tears and the moment you start to get a little bit of anxiety about actually admitting what that why is, you're going to be on your way to making success with whatever that goal and that why is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, oh, I love that. I just like want to soak all that in, you know, and I want people just to hear that and go, it, it, that's the pivot point. You know, that's the most, then, yeah, to dig in, to always, oh, such great advice. Okay. Um, how do you even segue from that? I want to talk about your kiddos though, because I think it's really awesome. So you are fostering five kids You've got a two-year-old, two six-year-olds. I think you said a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. So overnight, you and your husband went from having two kiddos, or excuse me, two people, to being a family of seven. Holy cow. Let's talk about that.
1: (laughs) Holy cow, that's right. Actually, they split up the siblings first. So we got three first because I I was honestly so scared to take in five at once. I personally, I just started... Coaching, just personal training, quit all my other jobs because I had some aviation jobs I was working for. And I quit everything, started my business, and then I took in kids like the same day. And I thought, what am I doing with my life right now? So we took in three, and then within a couple months, we felt ready and took in the other two. And now I don't even know why I never said yes to five in the first place. I mean, they're great kids. Of course, it's been a huge adjustment, and most people, you know, get used to parenting one kid at a time, um, and I'm not saying that we are super woman or superman by any means, I'm just saying that we have had a lot of people that have helped us through this, um, and just have helped us survive, and we just, yeah, I don't know, it's, I'm pretty much speechless when I talk about it, because they're amazing kids, it's been the most rewarding thing of our lives this year, but also,
0: the hardest. Yeah. And you nailed it right on when you sent over, you know, I was just trying to get to know you a little bit more. And you said, it's one of the most rewarding and one of the most challenging things that I've ever done. And I think every parent can relate with that.
1: Yeah. Every parent. I mean, we all have different situations, but we're all, we're all the same, right? We're all trying to balance life. We're all trying to be a good mom. We're all trying to be, you know, good wives and good daughters. And, I mean, it's tough. It's all tough, but no matter what our situation is, we just have to know that everybody else is struggling just like us.
0: (laughs) Every single week, I show up for my clients. I help them get through things in their life that are challenging them, that are difficult. When they found themselves in a place... That they're not comfortable with that they don't want to be and one of the things that i help them do and i help them recognize is that their mind is the most powerful piece of getting over that hump today i want to give you a mindset challenge i'm going to ask you at some point today to stop what you're doing to make a text to get on a call to share some love and to show your gratitude Towards those around you. Who is impacting your life? Who's giving you encouragement? Who is inspiring you? Reach out to them today. It's so true. And I tell myself that a lot also because I think in a world where so many of us get in the habit of comparing where we are, what we do, what we have, you know, all those things with other people's lives, it's, it's so easy to automatically feel not good enough at your job or being a parent or, you know, all of those things. It's so hard not to just feel like you are the one that's not doing it right. But I think it's, it's really important to remember that there's struggle for all of us. We're all bumping our heads against a lot of the same things, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're right. We're all getting to Friday and going, okay, the, the entire family's still alive. That was a major victory. <laughs>
1: yes, that's, Pretty much our goal. Just keep the kids alive, make sure they're well fed and loved. And, you know, that's more than they had before. So <laughs> we're doing it right, at least. But it's definitely hard. They're truly amazing kids, though. I I love them to death.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. And it's just people like you who are so encouraging to me that these kids who need love and who need this home and who need to learn you know, how to care for themselves and and how to have good character. You know, they're getting that from good people like you. and i'm I'm super appreciative of that. I work with kids at the school who, you know, need to be fostered or are being fostered. And it's just it's it's heartbreaking and it's and and it's challenging. and I haven't done my done it myself. So I'm not going to speak for that scenario. But just the stories I've heard from other people, it's it seems like a lot of times being a foster parent, is, is probably one of the most challenging ways to be a parent.
1: I don't know. I haven't experienced it otherwise, so. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say it's pretty hard. <laughs>
0: yeah. One of the things that you said in your questions um, talking about one of the most valuable lessons that you've learned it really stemmed into you know your role as a parent now you said your goal is to be the woman that you want your girls to grow up to be and the kind of woman that you would want your son to marry and i love that so much and i think if you know on a basic we we ask that of our kids you know we we try to to encourage them to grow up to be somebody of strong character and and the person that we would want our kids to become, they're going to be led by that example, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think we can learn so much from kids too. You know, little kids are just pure. I mean, they haven't been through all the things that we have as adults, but some of these kids especially that come into care have been through much more than I ever would as far as challenging situations. So they often teach me that I can do hard things. Because they've done it, and they still choose to be happy, and they still choose to move forward. So I'm able to look at them, and they've taught me probably more than I've ever taught them. But how cool is that, that we can, as families, like, grow together, encourage ourselves to be better, um, but still want to give them, you know, the best life ever so that as adults they're just good people and that they have a strong enough um, base that they know they're worth it. They have self-esteem. They know they can do anything that put, they put their mind to. And that's truly my ultimate goal as a mom is just to give them the life that they haven't had um, and just teach them to fly, you know, give them the, the confidence that they can do it and then let them go.
0: Definitely. Oh yes, for sure. And that's a, that's a great point that we, we learn from them probably more than they ever learned from us, which is super powerful but speaking of learning, what do they think about your guys's, you know, subsistence <sighs> lifestyle and how you guys, you know, just basically provide for yourselves? Are they think that's pretty cool? Do they like to hunt? Do some of them not like to hunt?
1: So they grew up in a village, in an Alaska Native village, actually. <clears throat> so that's part of their culture, but they were never really exposed to that as kids. So it's really cool for us to get to show them that. You know, we. We took them out this past winter when they first moved in and we trapped some beavers and they got their first beavers. And then we took our oldest, who's 11, because you can hunt. Yeah, you get your own stuff when you're 10 up here or hunt with an adult at any time. But she went and got her first caribou and she got a really nice bull and she was pumped. And so it's really cool to just involve them in that stuff. They love it. They love the outdoors. Um, And then we do a lot of subsistence fishing. So we caught hundreds and hundreds of fresh salmon this year and they processed it all like you know we taught them how to package all of it so everything that we've done they've learned to do from field to table um we process all our own meat grind our own burger package it all that stuff and they love it which I'm super thankful for because that's all we know how to do so um just involving them in that it's really cool
0: that's awesome So what do they think of this uh, brown bear? Because, oh my gosh, honestly, I was reading your posts on that and just like trying to envision. And I had just got back from Alaska from that sheep hunt. And so I'm like, I'm literally, I'm hearing the sound of, you know, the the tundra crunching under my feet as you're talking about stalking in and the wind blowing and all this stuff. So tell us that story, and then uh, I, I'd love to hear what their impression is. Maybe it's not as mind-blowing to them as it is to me sitting here in an Oregon, but what was their impression of that hunt? The
1: kids? Um, they were super proud of me. I mean, they wanted me to get one really bad, and the first thing that my daughter said was, can I go kill one?
0: Wow. <laughs> so
1: they... They are not scared at all. However, my oldest daughter, on her caribou hunt, after she shot her caribou, my husband and her walked up to it, and they got charged by a sow and a cub, and that was her first hunting experience, is shooting a caribou, walking up to it, getting charged, and so she's pretty terrified of them as well, and so I wanted to show her that, hey, these bears don't have anything on us. Like, we can protect ourselves. We can make this happen. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to do it with my bow. She's like, what? (laughs) I said, yep, I'm going to do it. And she's like, please be careful. Um, so I think they were scared for me, but super excited that I actually was able to come home with the bear and did it with my bow. And I hope that that helped ease her fear a little bit as it did mine. Obviously it's one of my biggest fears. Um, but it was just a super cool experience.
0: So walk us through how that all went down.
1: All right. So I kind of, at the beginning of this year when we got the kids, I told Adam, there's two things I want to do. I know we're not going to get as many hunts and adventures in because of being parents, but I want to get a bear and a caribou. And so my number one was to get a caribou. And I shot a caribou in, I don't even remember what month, because I don't even know what day it is anymore, but I did get a really nice caribou, um really really high in the record books. it was an awesome hunt which we could probably chat about some other time but then after that it was my goal to go out and get this bear and so my husband had been planning all year where to go we were trying to figure out the best spot because out here we're pretty competitive with guides you know people pay 30,000 plus dollars to come shoot an Alaska brown bear so We were competing with all these spots, trying to figure out where the best place was to go. I talked with a bunch of old-timers to figure out their strategies on how to sneak in with a bear. And I don't know if you've ever done a hunt where you've just had to sit in glass for hours and hours and not spread your scent, have you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) That's hard for me because I like to hike (laughs) and I like to move. And so it was really, really hard for me. With bears, you have to sit. You cannot spread your scent whatsoever. So we literally sat for 12 hours a day and glassed and glassed and glassed and glassed. And when I talked to these old-timers that have killed a lot of bears with their bow, they said the main thing is when you're in the fall, they are salmon bears. They're fishing on the streams. They're fattening up for winter before hibernation. So you watch those bears for two days. He said, don't move. Stay in the same spot. Watch those bears for two days. Figure out what their patterns are. And then when you figure out a spot where you can go down and speak in and get one, then you go in, like on day three or four. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, that can't be too hard. We see bears all the time down here on streams. We flew out. We flew ourselves out to a spot, and there were no bears on the streams. like, crap. <laughs> now what? And it was a great spot. I mean, we saw 13 bears the first day. Um and just multiple bears, but there was no bears on the stream, and we couldn't figure out why, and when we crossed the stream, we realized that they were fresh salmon that had just run in from the ocean. They were not red. They were not spawned out. The bears couldn't fish them because they were too fresh, so Mm -hmm. we had a really late run. We had really weird weather this summer. You know, it got really hot. It was just really bizarre, so it kind of turned into a hunt where we had to just dock up on a bear that was in transition because they would just move from one canyon to the next and they would not sit on the streams. There was no patterns. We were just kind of like, well, I guess we're just going to figure out how to do this. So we sat there for three days in the same spot, blasting and it was freezing. (laughs) I tell you what, it was blowing 40 to 50. It was raining. It didn't rain that much. Thankfully the weather was pretty nice, but the wind was cold. And I, I need to hike around to stay warm personally. Um, But I made it. I just still sat there and I do like squats in place or pushups in place to warm up. So day three or four comes around. We finally see this bear. Oh yeah, my husband also cut his leg with a machete. That was fun.
0: Oh no. Um,
1: (laughs) Day four rolls around and we see this nice bear walking down the beach. And it cut up this canyon, went in the alders, didn't see it again. And then all of a sudden it came out and it was coming right toward us. So I was going to cut it off. I was going to cut it off as it was transitioning from one canyon to another. So I ran down the hill to like get in position where this main bear trail was. And it never came out. It bedded down like right by our tent in our camp. I'm like, shoot. So it was going to be there most likely all day and not come out in the evening. They move mostly in the evenings. So I get back up on our glassy knob and I'm waiting because that's my bear. I am going to cut it off when it comes out of dark. And I'm ready to kill it. This is the fourth day we're there. And, of course, uh, I had a law enforcement officer land on us, walk all the way up, spread his scent everywhere, right through the alders where the bear was, right through all the trails, touched every tree and every branch. And I was furious. I'm like, God, he gave me. I was, it was almost prime time. It was like one hour before prime time. And he ruined my stock. And I don't know. I guess you know the highs and lows of hunt, but that was my ultimate low, is I've done all of this, we've gotten out here, I, I just want nothing more to get home to my kids, because I miss them, first of all, but second of all, I need to get bear with my bow, I don't know what it is, once you have kids, you just feel like you have to tag out, mm-hmm.
0: you know,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you feel
0: like that? <laughs> oh yeah, Absolutely. So,
1: yeah, I felt this pressure that I had to get this done. I wanted to conquer my fear, and he blew my stock. And I just sat there almost in tears, like, I don't know what to do now. Our stock is blown. As soon as that is spread, the bears are gone. They don't come there anymore. They'll smell it from a mile away. It was windy. I thought there was no chance. So he checked our tags. He left. I guess that he has to do his job. But I didn't even have a bear down yet. So it was pretty frustrating. And then we were sitting there. I looked at Adam. I'm like, well, guess we just sit here and probably not see any more bears. And just at that moment, when I was in the biggest glow of my life, Adam spots a bear from the opposite direction, about a mile away. And it's a pretty nice blonde one, and it's working its way right toward us. And you know how that is. You just have the biggest glow of your hunt, and then all of a sudden, you're just like, holy crap, I got to get my stuff together. We got to go. There's- There it is. So that's what we did. We packed everything up. We filmed all of our hunts. So I had the GoPro, my husband on the camera. I am running like full speed down this ridge to get into position on this bear before it crosses and gets to that scent where that guy had walked. And at that point, it was blowing 20, about 20 miles per hour right in my face. So I knew it wouldn't be able to hear me as I was running. Um, It wasn't going to see me. It was in tall grass. So... We just ran full speed down there, and I was losing my crap. I mean, <laughs> I'm scared. I'm like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. And everything just worked out. Everything lined up, the stars lined up, and we ended up getting into position on this creek where it was working its way up. And I crouched low, and I was right on the bank, and I was hoping it was going to come up like 20 yards across the creek for me. And then it started going the other direction. So I crossed, got to the other side, got in position. And then it started walking directly at me like it was going to step on my face. (laughs) if it kept coming this way. I was like, shoot, this is way too close of a shot. So I scooted back five yards. It was going to walk right past me on this bank I was sitting on as it was fishing or looking for fish. And once it got about 60 yards away from me, walking right at me, it crossed the creek and went to the other side. So at that point, My fear of bears was like, okay, I have a creek between us. This is my moment. This is the chance I've waited for. And I knew I needed to close the distance just a little closer because it was over a 60-yard shot, and it was a perfect 20-mile-per-hour crosswind. And I haven't practiced in that much wind, and so I was a little bit worried. But as it stepped right across from me, I scooted up five yards, about 50 yards from it when I pulled my bow back and I held for wind a little bit but not um not crazy and I'm not exactly sure what happened I pretty much prayed like let my arrow fly true <laughs> and, and I got a great shot it was right behind the shoulder and it took off running the opposite direction my husband was behind me with a rifle ready to back me up in case it charged me but since we had that creek between us it ran away and that was I mean it just all came down from there I had had so much emotion from like
0: that extreme low to that extreme high. And then when I saw it go down, I just broke down crying. I mean, it was just surreal. I legitimately have goosebumps right now. I am just, I, I'm just trying to envision every detail of everything you said and, and watching him feed towards you and then away and then across and just, my heart literally started beating faster as you're telling the story and he's getting closer and closer because, you know, here in Oregon, we have a lot of black bears and I've been them, been around them a pretty decent amount in close and far, all, all kinds of different things. And so not that there's not an issue with black bears, but for me, it's gotten a lot more comfortable But when I went up to Alaska on the doll sheep hunt, I, you know, in brown bear territory, I was very much out of that comfort zone. And we ended up seeing three brown bears, a sow with two cubs who, I don't know, must have been two or three. They were almost as big as she was, just just a slight um, size difference. And from when we first saw them at like a thousand yards and then they started feeding towards us. And, you know, they would run and then they would feed and they'd stop and they like they cover a lot of distance. And even as yeah, they started getting closer that. and feeding right towards, you know, our tent, I was like, mm, I'm not liking this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> like if there is an easy button or like a hey, come pick me up button, I probably would have been really close to pressing it then. So I can't even imagine how you feel as you're literally running full speed to this bear, to cut this bear off, to get in just about as close as you can. And then at that moment, you realize, I've got to back up because he's going to, he's going to, he's going to meet me here (laughs) in this spot I'm standing. Like, (laughs) did you ever have a moment where you thought, I'm literally crazy? This, this is crazy.
1: Yeah, but I think that I talked myself into it all year, that I was 100% I'm doing this no matter what. And people told me I was crazy, and I told myself I was crazy. And even my husband, on the stock, as we were a couple hundred yards away running in on this thing, he looked at me, he's like, honey, I won't think any less of you if you shoot this with a rifle. And I looked at him, and I'm like, "Uh, stop talking. I'm doing this with a bow. This is why I came out here. I'm going to make it happen. I was like, you just stay back there and shoot it if it comes at me. (laughs) He's like, okay. (laughs) So, I mean... Yes, I thought I was crazy, but at the same time, like, I am so terrified of bears because I've been charged multiple times by them. We had a bear come into my husband's tent in August during sheep season, like, literally chew it open while they were sleeping. And so I just needed to overcome this fear that, like, I am the ultimate predator. I don't need to be afraid of this anymore because if I can sneak up on this and do it with my bow, like, that's the ultimate, you know, for me. That was a personal goal. Like, not everybody needs that, but I did.
0: (laughs) So what do you think facing that fear directly, what lesson, what are the biggest lessons that you learned from that? Well,
1: surely it goes back to practicing what I preach. And to my clients all the time, I preach that you can do hard things. You can face your fears. You can overcome anything that you put your mind to. And so I wanted to prove to myself that I could do that. You know, I have clients that are like, I am so afraid to go to a gym or step foot in a gym. And I'm like, here, okay, I'm going to go shoot a bear with my bow. Cause that's my biggest fear. Then you need to go step foot in the gym. You know, I want people to practice what I preach. And so for me, it was proving to myself that I could do it, but also showing to others that they can do whatever they put their mind to. They just have to move forward and take action. Um, and so for me, that that was the biggest lesson, that you can truly do whatever you put your mind to, because what I thought was impossible, I was able to do.
0: So where do you see the importance for people to get outside of that comfort zone? Because it's it is really hard, and... You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's a very common fear for people is stepping outside, going to the gym, working out in front of other people. But where do you find the yeah. real value in, in? I would say, forcing yourself to step outside of the comfort zone that you're in and get uncomfortable? Like, what does that do for you overall, long-term, reaching your goals, that kind of thing? also
1: growth. When you are comfortable... You're not growing. I love this quote. It's um, I have to think about it for a second. There's no growth in the comfort zone, and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Mm, so when mm-hmm. you're comfortable, you're not growing. <laughs> if you want to grow and you want to push forward and you want to constantly stretch yourself to be better and be stronger, you have to get uncomfortable, period. And people are so afraid to be uncomfortable. I don't know what it is. I'm super comfortable with being uncomfortable because I'm always uncomfortable. (laughs) Let's be real. I live in a crazy place, do a lot of crazy things. But it's still scary. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's scary. But being uncomfortable means that you're growing.
0: Yes. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I can relate that to (laughs) a lot of my life in the very recent past and right now. Um, And for me, you know, without getting into this story, which I'll talk about in another episode, probably, there is this realization, I think for people, when you're in that moment, or when you're facing that adversity, or when you're in the midst of that challenge, and things get really difficult. And I know it sounds so cliche, but brace yourself, because that's when you keep taking action, and the shift happens. Yep. But it's hard to stay there. And you. I think one of the biggest things that you have to attach to getting uncomfortable is faith. You have to attach yeah. the trust and knowing and believing in yourself and believing in the situation and believing that if you just keep moving forward, you're going to make it. You know, and making it is going to be so different. It's going to be so relative to wherever you are. But that foot just has to keep inching forward. You have to keep making progress. You have to keep that momentum because even through that uncomfortableness and most definitely in the times where you feel like I should just give up, I should wave the white flag. I should call it right here. (laughs) That's when you're almost there.
1: Yep. Because at that moment, I was ready to give up. I was seriously in that just super low state of this isn't going to happen. I believed in myself and I couldn't do it. And we all have those moments. We all have those weak moments where we're ready to just give up. But that's when it happens and then you go and you make it happen.
0: So do you have a mantra that you fall to when you're kind of on that fence of, you know, questioning your follow through or do you have, do you just turn it off? Do you turn off the voice? How do you navigate getting through that and staying on course?
1: You know, this is probably sounds terrible, but my dad <laughs> raised me on M and so that song, uh, you have one chance, one opportunity to save everything you ever wanted. That song or just that phrase has stuck in my head my whole life. That when things get hard, I've always told myself, like, I have one chance. I have one opportunity. But I have to make it happen, and I have to at least try or give it 100%. Even if it doesn't happen, if I give 100%, then I know I did all I could do. And so that's, that's a silly mantra, I know. Like, Eminem, what the heck. But <laughs> my dad literally engraved that song in my head from the time I was little, and it's actually helped me through a lot of uh, hard situations.
0: Well, I think whether it sounds silly or not, it's, it's very pertinent to you. You know, It's something that you've connected with. And I think it's important for other people to connect with something that helps them just, you know, it's like, this is kind of a squirrel moment, but uh, my shooting coach, Joel Turner with Shot IQ, he's very much a mantra person. And, you know, in, I've done several of his seminars and I've hosted some, you know, with him and with some of my clients and every single one of them, they connect with their own version of that same mantra, you know? there's one, one, one moment, one opportunity, you know, they have that same idea, but it's in their version. And I think it's really important to connect with that and find something that works for you to not only affirm what you're doing, but to remind yourself, Hey, I've used this in the past and it's helped me get to the finish line. It's helped me be successful. It's helped me overcome that fear. So I think yeah. just finding yeah. your own version of that thing, that phrase, that quote, that song, whatever that you can implement into your life when things get tough, it will help remind you that you can do hard things. Absolutely. So speaking the mind on this, is a powerful tool. yes, it definitely is. The mind is a very powerful tool. Um, there's a question I want to ask you because I think it can shed a lot of light for a lot of listeners. Um, and it's something that I don't know gets... Talked about a ton. But if you look back at your life and you think about when you struggled the most, when you were the most unsure of yourself or in the hardest place, what would you wish that you could go back and tell yourself now? Now, we can't undo the things of the past. And I think every situation we go through are vital in getting us to where we are now, mindset, life, all that kind of stuff. But in the way of going back and encouraging somebody who may be going through something similar, what would that encouragement to yourself in that place be?
1: Oh boy. I'm trying to think of the hardest times. There's a lot of hard things. I'm going to be super vulnerable and open right now. Um, The hardest thing that I've ever had to go through is infertility. And I've tried for five years to be a mom, right? So that's my hardest The biggest challenge. And in those moments, I literally felt worthless. Like, for years, I felt worthless that I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't do the one thing that I was supposed to do as a woman and have a kid, have a baby. I did everything, everything possible. Like spent all the money on every test and every procedure. And in those moments, like, I just wish that I could have told myself that it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out in the end. You can't see the big picture now. But it's going to work out. Eventually, something is going to happen that's going to give you this gift that you want so bad. And look, like, for five years, I was just trying to have one baby. And then overnight, I got five amazing kids. And I'm, like, tearing up over this right now because it's sometimes the hardest struggles we have, we don't know what the big picture is going to be. But oftentimes, it's going to turn out a thousand times better than you could ever imagine. So you just have to keep... Like you said, put one foot in front of the other. Keep moving forward because life has little to do with the circumstances of our life and everything to do with the focus of our life. So if you can focus on what brings you joy, what brings you happiness, and move through those hard times, you're going to realize later why. You're going to realize that all those little things led you to that success eventually.
0: Oh, my gosh. it's It's so true. It's... It's so true. And so many women share that same feeling. And it's crazy because if you're listening and you've also struggled with those feelings of feeling worthless or unable to do your job as a woman, you can, you can connect with that, but there's so many hard situations in life that we question everything and we don't understand and we don't see how it could ever bring value or blessings to our life. And I promise if you, even in the worst of it, if you trust it, if you know that even as bad as it hurts and as heartbroken as you feel or as devastated as you are, there is some point in your journey in this entire lifetime that you'll spend on earth, it will become evident if your eyes are open and your heart is open to seeing those things. I know that there's a lot of women specifically who listen to this show who have dealt with infertility. Do you have an, and, and right now they're walking through that. How do you speak to them, Tana to just convey the message and going back to your feelings of of feeling inadequate or, or of not being able to give yourself and your husband a baby, how do you, what would you say to them to encourage them to love themselves again and to find their value and to, to get those very untrue words out of their head?
1: Oh, it's such a hard thing. It's so hard. Um, I would say that the ability to bear children does not define you. That I truly thought that it did. I thought that it did define who I was, but it doesn't. Your your personality, the blessings that you have to give to other people, um, helping others, like being there for them, being the light, even when it's so freaking hard <laughs> to get through it, that's just so important to get out of your head, for one, you're not alone. I used to think I was always alone in this, and I was the only one, because everyone around you was having babies except me. For one, you're not alone, because I know so many women that struggle with this. And two, the ability to bear children does not define you. You have to find who you are and what you want to do, and just still go after your dreams. Like, I really made it a point to do everything that we wanted to do as husband and wife. Even though we wanted kids, we wanted to share it with them. Like, we did everything we possibly could. We went on every hunt we wanted to. Um, Every adventure, we would do everything we possibly could. Because truly, once you have kids, you don't have time to do that stuff anymore. And I used to look at people and be like, well, I would give up all of that to have kids. But now that I am a mom, I'm like, holy crap. Like, I'm glad I got to do all of those things and get closer to my husband in that way. But also just know that that doesn't define who you are. You are so much better than that. You are so much more than that. And you have so much to give to the world. And eventually your blessings are going to come. You just have to move forward with faith and trust in the unknown.
0: You are absolutely Um, right with that. Absolutely right with that. I did not struggle with infertility. um, But I went through some very similar feelings Um, that I don't even know if I've dealt with 100%, but last year after they found a mass in my uterus that they were pretty confident was presenting like cancer. And they didn't feel comfortable with doing a biopsy. They thought the very best approach would be to go and do a total hysterectomy. Um, At 34 and having two kids, I felt like, it would be selfish of me to fight to keep this part of my body because I've already had these blessings. You know, I don't even know if I want more kids, but I'll tell you what, going through that experience, waking up after surgery and and blessed to have them say it was benign. I still felt so at a loss of who I was as a woman my ability to have kids if I, if I chose to, it it's it's crazy because even as somebody who wasn't, you know, I'm not particularly feministic. I'm not really that connected to my body in that way, but I woke up feeling like a different person. I felt like a huge part of my identity okay. as a woman was gone. And I can only imagine that, you know, having not being able to not ever having that opportunity you know, there's, there's just, I don't even know how to put it into words, but there's so many different angles. Maybe you're listening and you've had a hysterectomy, or maybe you're listening and you are dealing with infertility or have in the past. It's just, there's, there's so many different things that can try to pull that part of who we are as women away from us and make us feel not good enough or inadequate. And Their lies because we get to determine our own version of who we are and what we're capable of and what we give to other people, what we do in our lifetime. So I think it's a really important takeaway to just impress upon those who are listening. Maybe, maybe your husband and your wife went through infertility, you know, it's hard on all sides of those things. And I think bottom line is you get to define what you do with those things. Yeah.
1: And you can choose, you know, whether you can, wallow and self-pity for years and years and years or you can choose to be happy anyway and I'll be yeah, the first to admit like I <laughs> I didn't take it well the first couple years that I realized I couldn't have kids but after that I realized okay I can either sit here and be sad about it or I could move on with my life and That's the hardest part. It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard to just move forward and pretend like everything's okay. But it is okay to not be okay, first of all. But then pick yourself up and move forward and do what makes you happy and what brings you joy and what brings you happiness. Because eventually, those blessings will come. And most likely, it'll be like a million times better than you ever imagined it. So,
0: I couldn't have said it better myself. And although I feel like we could roll on for hours today... I'm going to have to break it off right here. Send everybody with these tidbits for today and your awesome bear hunting story and just the blessings that you've, you know, just been able to convey to listeners and the encouragement. And I hope that so many people listen to this and it makes them really start spinning the wheels in their own life again and trying to dig deeper, get uncomfortable, make changes, go after the things that they really want and pursue the life that they really desire to have.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Courtney. You're so inspiring to many people. So just keep
0: keep on, keeping on, keep inspiring. You're awesome. Isn't Tana just an amazing woman? She brought me so much motivation to just reassess where I'm at, how I'm doing things, how I'm showing up in my life, and how I'm giving back to others. Please reach out to her, send her a hello, check in on see what she's doing, and just stay in tune. You can reach her on Instagram at TanaSue underscore fit. She's definitely somebody you want to have as a friend in your life. Next week on the show, I have some really fun, different spins on recording, and I actually have interviewed a couple guests on their recent harvest. They've got some amazing stories from this year, so we're going to be doing some shorter episodes listening to how everything went down for them, their success, and celebrating that with them. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday to check out the episode with Jessica Poignier. She is from Grants Pass, Oregon, and she this year killed her very first bull elk. It's an amazing story, and she is a newbie, which makes it even more awesome. You won't want to miss it. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration, some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have, the topics or ideas and your feedback. You are so valuable to me. And I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.